What is good, Defenders? And welcome to episode 206. Wow, 206 of the most LAFC podcast on earth. We are Defenders of the Bank for however much longer it is the bank. We will be there. Just not sure Bank of California will be there. You know my voice. I am the scarf, J.R. Liebert. And look, we are recording on Zoom on this particular episode. So there's a very good chance there might be a little bit of a delay between the two of us, or we might talk over each other. Oh, wait, there's that on every episode anyway. It doesn't matter. And when I say the two of us, of course, I am talking about the man who is likely, I believe, located in world-famous Monster Studios based on what I can see behind him. There's, there's all kinds. There's a ram's horn. There's the Theater of Dreams, Old Trafford. There's a surfboard, golf club, Shea Stadium, City Field. It's it's a, a veritable cornucopia of stuff, my friend. Please welcome one Christian Philly Philemon. What's going on, buddy? Yep, you, you said it right. I am in world-famous Philemon Studios, surrounded by all my luxury items, including autographed baseballs <laughs> by several of the 1986 Mets, uh, a Rams helmet signed by Cooper Cup. Um, a whole that one's not yours. Food. That's your wife's. Uh, yeah, but I'm looking at it, so therefore it's mine. But then again, California is, in fact, a community property state. I know all you attorneys and, attorneys and state planners know what that means. What's mine is hers, and what's hers is mine. But obviously, in the world that I live in, what's mine is hers, and what's hers is hers. So there you go. I don't win one way or another. Now, Scarf, you did mention we will be defenders of the bank for uh, however long that exists. Now, Bank of California is going to always exist in some way, shape, or form, but man... Could you imagine if SoFi Stadium was the home of the black and gold? We're coming, we're 24 hours off, less than 24 hours off. One of arguably the most exciting atmospheres that we've ever witnessed in LAFC gaming. 71,189 people. And most of them, by the way, were there for the second match, not for the first match. There was some sparse attendance, at least in the first half of the first match there. Although the Chivas fans came out in full force. Uh, I think other than that one supporter section, there really wasn't a whole lot of Herbalife sashes out there at SoFi Stadium. But it was, I, I mean, Philly, you and I were, were pleasantly surprised at the atmosphere that we experienced out there. We were lucky enough. A big thank you to our buddy Jason, who sits in Founders with us uh, in between you and I, which has to be probably the worst place ever to sit to watch uh, a soccer game. It's worse for him. Um, because I always end up accidentally spilling beer on him and his wife. <laughs> yeah, so that's he, why uh, it's bad. It's it's happened. I mean, I think I average at least five or six spills a season. We've been oh, sitting right by them since 2018. Well, that's that's not bad. If you do the math, it's five or six beers a match, but only five or six spills a season. You know, your 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 rate's not too bad there, bud. Yeah, but that's that's just beer. We haven't talked about wine or vodka. Oh god, oh god. Well, look, it, you, you mentioned it though, Philly. I, I still, you've been to SoFi far more than I have. I've been, I believe, three times before last night, maybe a fourth. I'm trying to convince myself that there was maybe a fourth in there. And this was the first, because it was the first ever soccer match or soccer matches at sure. SoFi Stadium. It just, I, I don't know about you, like you, you've been a, a Ram season ticket holder since they have existed at SoFi. I don't know about you, but it still doesn't seem real stepping into that stadium. No, it doesn't. And the numbers are really interesting because there's about a thousand or so, maybe a little less, more people that were at this League's Cup showcase match than there were, in fact, at the Super Bowl. I think the Super Bowl had a little over 70,250 in attendance. This match in particular had 
more, which is an interesting number. I mean, the atmosphere is dynamic. Yeah, it still doesn't look real, but the changing of the turf, because the Rams are playing on turf, not natural grass, into real grass certainly took away from the luscious green atmosphere that I do distinctly remember at SoFi Stadium, but it was obviously better for the players. But you said it early on in the game, early on in the afternoon, there wasn't there were people there, but a lot of empty seats. But you can't fault the Chivas or the Galaxy supporters because the game did, in fact, start at 515. So most people are going to be working, getting off of work or getting stuck in traffic on the 405, the 110, the, the whatever. So can't necessarily blame the crowd there, but man, yes, it was a very, very distinct difference in terms of the, the atmosphere, the decibel yeah. level, the smoke, the flags, the, the chanting, the fireworks. I mean, wow. People certainly came out to see that Club America and LAFC game. It was wild. Yeah, Philly, what people actually did was just plan their day around the match that they wanted to see. That's why they all showed up for LAFC and Club America. The the atmosphere was incredible. Six, at least six full sections of the traveling 3252, as well as pockets all around SoFi. I really do believe uh, that the, the black and gold supporters, the 3252, they represent their club so much farther and away better than any MLS traveling supporters. Granted, look, I know this is what, five, 10 miles from Bank California Stadium. That's not the point. Uh, Carson could have brought just as many and they didn't. And it continues to surprise me as to how quickly the spiral is happening down there in Carson. Although what they got Ricky, is it Puj or Puig? I'm not even sure how to pronounce his last name. Cause I, when you listen to Fabrizio Romano say it, he just says it so much nicer than I ever will. Puig, man, I was watching it on extra time today. Yeah. He, he, Fabrizio is, is still one of my favorite guys just to hear talk into a microphone. So, you know, they're, they're trying to do something over there, right? We're, uh, we're making some moves that we'll talk about in just a little bit. I do want to mention one other thing uh, that happened before the match. Look, uh, I'll, I'll talk more about it on our next podcast because we're we're trying to get this one in a little quicker. We'll be honest with you guys. This one's going to be a little different than some of our others. But Vin Scully, a moment of silence before the match for Vin Scully and all they simply needed to put on the board was Vin and then the years underneath it and everybody Everybody there stood and applauded for a moment before they announced a moment of silence. And then as the moment of silence was kind of moving towards its end, people just started applauding again. Um, I know Philly, you and I as Mets fans have a very special attachment to Vin Scully. Uh, it gets through Buckner. Behind the uh, bag! It's, it's simply the greatest call in Mets history. There will never be anything like that for Mets fans. And we get to attach... Vin Scully's name uh, to it, but Philly, I've had the pleasure of growing up in this amazing city. Uh, I was born here in 1983, which was just after Fernando mania. I experienced the five straight rookies of the year and Nomo mania in 1996. Uh, I was able to experience the wild horse in 2013, Yasiel Puig, when he came up and Ramon Martinez, Oral Hershiser, Eric Karos, Mike Piazza and all of the legendary Dodgers before this current run. But the one constant, the one soundtrack through it all was Vin Scully. And, and I'll be perfectly honest, you guys, all of you listening out there, Vin Scully was my idol. 
I have plenty of sports icons that I I watched. I mean, Kobe and Jordan and Frank Thomas when I was younger and Jason Kendall a little bit older and and so many other Michael Phelps comes to mind. But there was nobody for me. There was nobody like Vin Scully. And I have I have cried several times about this since it was it's, it's as if it was a family member of mine. I teared up and during the moment of silence at the stadium. And I do want to share just one quick uh, one quick story. September 11th, 1999, two years before the fateful day, September 11th, 2001. September 11th, 1999. My father and I were at the Dodger game and we decided to, you know what, let's wait. Let's go try to meet Vin Scully. I was 16 years old at the time and I had just started uh, earlier that year in, uh, oh God, I guess it would be just a couple weeks earlier in September. I had started my first play-by-play gig as a 16-year-old doing play-by-play for four, five, and six-year-old soccer. And it was it was incredible. I had a little handheld mic and the kids could all hear it as I was doing it. So I wanted to meet the reason why I had even started that in the first place, Vin Scully. And so we stayed. The game was a 7-10 game. It ended at about 10-30, 10-45 as baseball games do. And we walked up to the press box area and the security guard asked us, are you guys, what are you guys doing around here? We said, we're waiting to see Vin. And Vin was wrapping up. I think it was, uh, it wasn't the end of a homestand because that's what Sunday games are for. I think it was a Saturday game, but we're sitting there and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. And it might be 1130 at this point, 1145. And Vin still hasn't come out. And the security guard says, look, I've got a shift for about 15 minutes longer. And then we have to clear everybody out of here. Whoever's not, not out yet isn't coming out for you. And then about five minutes later, my dad and I were sitting against the wall. About five minutes later, the door opens up and out walks Vin Scully. And a couple of things struck me. One, in person, he was much redder in person than he looked on camera. He was bright red. I mean, he was a a red human being. But he looks at me, and I was 16, but we weren't quite seeing eye to eye. He was maybe an inch or two taller than me. He goes, well, hi there, young man. What are you still doing in the stadium? And my dad and I just started beaming. Like the voice was right in front of you. And I said, Vin, Mr. Scully, I, I stammered over my words for a minute. I said, I... All, all I wanted to do was shake your hand and, and say, hi, you are, you are an idol to me. And I, I look up to you and I, I listen to all of your games. And, and even though I'm a Mets fan, Mr. Scully, you are, you are my favorite announcer who, who has ever done this. And he said, well, you know, that's very, that's quite nice of you. Um, you know, pull out your ticket stub or something. You got to have something. You waited all this time. I got to sign something for you. And so Vin Scully signed my ticket stub from September 1st, 11th, 1999. And my dad and I, I don't remember leaving the stadium as much as I remember kind of floating through the stadium as we were leaving at about midnight. And my dad and I still talk about how nice Vin Scully was at almost midnight uh, after calling an entire game. And, and, you know, he wasn't young even then. He passed at the age of 94. But it, uh, Vin was magic to me. And I know for many Angelinos out there that are listening to this, Vin was magic to you. And luckily for us, Philly, as Mets fans, Vin was magic for us on a fateful night in 1986. Yeah, and you're not wrong. I did not grow up in the City of Angels. I grew up in New York listening to Ralph Kiner as a Mets fan. But like you said, the 86 World Series call, the Buckner moment, was etched in the laurels of New York Mets history and obviously some of our favorite moments 
Uh, yeah, I mean, not only that, obviously, Vin Scully did a lot of tremendous things in the world of football. He called golf, he made movie appearances as well, obviously very philanthropic within his own right, donating his time. I mean, he lived a good life, man. I mean, joining the Dodgers in, in 1950, working alongside Red Barber for a number of years until he jumped ship and took another gig. And despite all the success he had, New York kept calling. The Yankees really wanted to bring... Vin Scully over to their neck of the woods. And as loyal as he is, he, he stuck it out. And here's an ironic thing, and this might shock a lot of Dodger fans. Growing up in the Bronx, Vin Scully was not. Well, actually, he did not grow up in the Bronx. He was born in the Bronx. So he did play baseball at Fordham, uh, Rose Hill, which is in the Bronx. But he grew up a Giants fan. Not sure that that many of you know that. Vin Scully grew up <laughs> a Giants fan. So the irony of him jumping ship to the team that the Giants hated then and still hate vehemently now, it's it, it's kind of funny. But, yeah, I mean, 1950, joining the team, came with them from Brooklyn, calling uh, calling baseball for 67 years. I mean, that's essentially, yes, I look up to somebody like that, just as you, because there's a lot of passion that goes into that. I don't like my day job. I'm not going to, it's not the first time you've heard me say this. <laughs> I enjoy podcasting. I enjoy my version of play by play with indoor. I enjoy just working and talking about sports. So for me to see and know that there's a guy out there who, you know, started off low and worked his way up high and did something he was passionate about for 67 years motivates me as well. So rest in peace to the great Vince Scully. One other thing you met, you didn't mention scarf, the captain's armband for LAFC. Yep. It simply said Vin with his, I think it had his, um, his years living on there. Um, but either way, it was a white captain's armband with oh, yeah. lettering Vin. That was pretty cool. And LAFC was very quick to uh, give their shout outs and pay their respects to the man. But yeah, rest in peace to the legend. Absolutely. I figured you, uh, you would bring that up when we talked about the lineup with Eddie Segura as captain there, because that was kind of neat to have Eddie as captain. Uh, just a quick reminder, as we get into everything else that goes into a Defenders of the Bank episode, that the Mofasio Futsal Court in Southeast LA fundraising effort is underway. LAFC, the LAFC Foundation, and the 3252 are partnering to build a futsal court in Southeast LA in Mo's honor. And the link to donate is in our bio. Let's get into it real quick. We've got this day in LAFC history, and we are recording this August 4th, which is one day before, one day after uh, we uh, played that beautiful match at SoFi on August 3rd. On August 3rd, 2018, Philly, LAFC acquired the rights to Danilo Silva from the, as you call them, New Jersey Energy Drinks for a fourth round draft pick in the 2019 MLS Super Draft. He was on loan from Internacional in the Brazilian Serie A. LAFC also acquired an international roster slot from Toronto FC so that they could have Danilo Silva on the team. Also on the third, the very next year in 2019, LAFC travels to New England and defeats the revolution 2-0 behind goals from Diego Rossi and Latif Blessing. It was the first LAFC era match between Bob Bradley and Bruce Arena, two of the giants of coaching in Major League Soccer. And it was also the first match for Lee Wynn versus New York since leaving the franchise. He, of course, of 206 appearances and 52 goals for the Revolution. And uh, a lot of you will be listening to this tomorrow, August 5th. Well, August 5th, 1985, happy birthday to Le General, our first captain of the 2018 inaugural team, one Laurent Simon. Happy birthday to Laurent Simon, who is two years plus younger than me, and that makes me feel old. 
August 5th, 2018, we lost to those very pesky New Jersey energy drinks with Danilo Silva playing against his old team, subbing on for Walker Zimmerman in the 84th minute. We would lose two to one. And on the 5th in 2019, LAFC and Latif Blessing agreeing on a multi-year contract through 2022, which I believe, according to my records, might mean that Latif Blessing is a free agent at the end of this season. So that ends this day in LAFC history. News and notes, Philly, this one hit us a little bit different. The Moose is now on the loose in Sandy, Utah. Yep, the Moose certainly got set loose. And not really a big surprise if you break it down. I mean, Moose very productive in his time at LAFC. 53 regular season appearances, 17 starts, 11 goals, 5 assists. Like, he was very productive for us. Um, but obviously with this, this treasure trove of talent that we have on our team, I mean, where was Moose really going to find himself? Moose was going to end up getting getting lost rather than loose with this amazing line <laughs> of players that we have. But the interesting thing is, yes, we sent him over to Sandy, Utah, um, but we ended up picking up 250000 worth of general allocation money. Sure. Incredible. I think at his highest, Moose was getting paid a little over 93000 as a member of the Black and Gold in guaranteed compensation. John Thorrington flips wheels and deals, and boom, 250000 in general allocation money. So another beloved to the Moose. I mean, a very, very dangerous uh, threat for opposing teams when he was doing his thing and when he was in form, superbly productive despite the amount of money that we were paying him. So I'm wishing him all the best. I, I hope he features uh, quite prominently with that Rio, with Rio Tinto Stadium and with really Salt Lake, but nothing but the best moves forever, black and gold. Yeah, look, it, it's surprising to me when you look back at Danny Musovsky's career, he just never went away, right? He was always in the lineup, always playing. He had been with LAFC since 2020. And the only thing he didn't play in, unfortunately, was an MLS Cup playoff game. He appeared in Open Cup games, COVID Cup games, CCL matches. He had a brace and an assist against Seattle in October 2020 at the bank and another brace and an assist against Orange County Soccer Club this year in the Open Cup. Both of those happening at Bank of California Stadium. And over the course, you mentioned it, Philly, he played 61 total matches for the black and gold, 13 goals, six assists. How about this? Only Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi, Chicho Arango, Adama Diamande, and Latif Blessing have more goals in black and gold history than Danny Musovsky. And yes, four more goals than Brian Rodriguez has in a black and gold uniform. I know some of you are asking about that out there. And he's one of only 16 players in our club's history to play in more than 60 matches. Heck, he's played more Philly than Walker Zimmerman ever did in black and gold. And it's just incredible to think that. that so again, like wishing him all the best. And if he performs well, we get even more gam, it sounds like. So yeah, we're really hoping that Danny Musovsky plays well. And there's also been some rumors, Philly, stop me if I'm wrong, that Ishmael Tajuri Shradi might be on the move. Not so much a rumor. It seems as if it was confirmed by uh, by Tom Bogert. So I don't know what the stipulations of the trade are. But yeah, the New England Revolution do agree to a deal uh, to acquire Ishmael Tajiri Shradi. Philly, and as I said that right now, it is 6.40 p.m. So you guys can check your Twitter timelines. Good old Tommy Scoops. Tom Bogert just tweeted out. I'm told LAFC are receiving 400000 in GAM from New England for winger Ishmael Tajuri Shradi. So 250 from Moose, or for Moose, I should say, 
and 400 for Ishmael Tajuri Shradi. Philly, we're getting rid of two strikers here, but you know what? You and I are both Ninja Turtle fans. You know what I have to say to that? Kawabuanga. This is oh, going God. to be a <laughs> lot of fun. Den- Denis, is it Denis? I believe it's Denis Buanga. Buanga. I don't know. Kawabuanga? Kawabuanga? We're going to figure out a way to pigeonhole that one in. Trust me, you guys. Denny Buanga coming over to LAFC Philly. It seems like one of our DP slots is now filled. Uh, I mean, once they get that confirmed. So, yeah, the kids, we talked about them. I don't know, maybe on the last pot or on one more sleep. 27-year-old Gabonese from rele- now relegated St. Etienne in Liga 1. Uh, Tommy Scoops mentioned that the fee for him is about $5 million bucks. Yeah. So that's not a small chunk of change. Nine goals and six assists in his last season. He features for his national team. In fact, captaining them, seven goals, 32. You, you said that last time. Now, I just want to make sure that's Pierre Emmerich Aubameyang's national team, right? That is correct. And that he's not captaining correct. it. This guy is captaining it. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, thank you for mentioning that. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. You'd think a man and as talented as. <laughs> yes. Obama Yang, the, the legend himself, one of the fastest people I've ever seen up close and personal, by the way. Yeah. Not even he was captaining that team. But, you know, I'm not going to throw myself out there as a huge proponent of Liga or Saint Etienne. I mean, the only team like I'd follow, obviously, would be PSG. But. From what I gathered and from what I'm seeing, the kid does score. He had 26 goals in his 96 matches in France, and, and, he, and he's doing his thing. We I put up a video on social media yep. highlighting some of the nicer goals and uh, dribbles that he's had over the course of his career. I don't know how he's going to figure in. Um, one of the guys from Voices of the Black and Gold Celso did this interesting thing with FB Ref uh, where there was a comparison. And it seems as if the numbers, and obviously you can't compare MLS to the French League, but the numbers that uh, Denny is producing, very, very similar to that of a Danny Musaski. So again, this is just <laughs> more, something more along the lines of fun. Obviously, you can't compare an apple to an orange or a grapefruit to a pear. But, you know, we'll, we'll see where he fits in. Obviously, with uh, the departure of Moose and ITS, that's going to open up some space. But again, where, where's this kid going to figure into the lineup? How's he going to find his way in? With the amount of money that LAFC are reportedly going to spend on the transfer, you know they're going to take a sturdy look at him in the starting lineup. I just have no idea how he's going to feature with the Chichos, the Bryans, the Velas, the Bales, even Mahala. I mean, we're going to talk about him during the, uh, the, the recap of this, but even Mahala's looking like a rock star right now. So yeah. where's this kid going to fit in? I don't know. Yeah, look, it, it's going to be interesting. They're apparently paying a lot of money for him. We'll, we'll see. One thing I do know, I, I follow these four words. In John, I trust. So if Thorrington and Will Koontz and Larry Friedman and everybody else in the front office are signing off on this deal, I'm going to trust it until I don't have to. Uh, you know, it's... Brian could be sold, right? That's that's what we're talking about. Brian could be sold. I, I would really hate for them to give up on Chicho. Um, that's been a rumor as well. But we'll see what happens. Denis Buanga. Kawabonga, everybody. Let's go. Uh, LAFC was confirmed to join MLS Next Pro in 2023. And we'll certainly talk more about that on our next episode once more the details emerge. Don't forget that Tuesday, August 9th is LAFC night at Dodger Stadium. They take on the Twins at 710 and remember, you have to buy a special ticket package in order to get that sweet LAFC and Dodgers themed shirt. A very quick Las Vegas Lights update. 
The Lights and Atlanta United 2 battled to a 1-1 draw on Saturday, July 30th. Nelson Orgy, giggity, scored for Atlanta, while Cal Jennings nodded the game at 1 in the 80th minute. But apparently Philly Orgy didn't know the safe word during stoppage time as he picked up a red card in the first minute there. So, yeah, what's that? Flugenheffen. Flugenheffen. Uh, their next match is on the road at Phoenix Rising on Saturday, August 6th. And uh, don't forget, in the Atlanta United 2's next match, Orgy will not be appearing. Angel City minute, Philly, despite leading at the half 2-0, a game that you and I were at against OL Reign last Saturday and my favorite soccer player, Rose Lavelle. Angel City fell from the heavens and lost 3-2 behind three second-half goals, the third and 89th-minute heartbreaker by none other than Tobin Heath, who had just subbed on in the 84th minute. The loss, unfortunately, pushes ACFC out of the playoffs as of now in seventh place, two points under the playoff line, and their next match is at Orlando, the former club of Sydney LaRue on August 7th. That is everything we have, Philly, before we get in to the first-ever LAFC match held at SoFi Stadium, Club America, a team that we have already faced one time in our club's history. Not the greatest of nights for us, of course, but they are back. We are back in a game that, well, like one of my favorite lines in Meatballs, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. The game was an exhibition, but neither of these teams, Philly, played like it at all. No, they didn't play like it, and the supporters didn't take it as just an exhibition either. It was wild. The smoke to start the game, the fireworks by the 32-52, the chanting, the drums. I mean, it was one of the most electric atmospheres I have ever witnessed in terms of world football here in the United States. And, and Philly, when you say fireworks, you mean actual fireworks oh, in yeah. the stadium. I'm not talking figuratively now. I am speaking literally. There were fireworks. There was smoke. I don't even know if people at SoFi running security were ready for that kind of action. <laughs> but it was a proper football atmosphere. And boy, was it exciting. Again, this was the second match of the day. The Carson Galaxy faced off against Chivas de, uh, Chivas de Guadalajara. That was a match in which the Galaxy sadly won 2 to nil, But... <laughs> Why were these two teams playing? What's the story about this? So really quickly, before we even get into this, and I pulled a lot of this information off the, off the website, let's talk about what the League Cup showcase is. Now, this was just a simple exhibition. Call it a, a warm-up, a, a run-through, if you will. But starting next year, 2023, 47 between the combined leagues, 47 MLS and Liga Amekis clubs will compete in this, this League Cup, an annual month-long tournament. Now, this League's Cup 2023 will make, and this is a quote from their website, will make history as the first major soccer tournament to feature every club from a pair of top-flight leagues, MLS League Imekis. Uh, This will be an official competition of the CONCACAF Champions League. And the cool thing, which really does make this tournament important, is it grants automatic qualification to the CCL Round of 16 for the tournament champions. In addition to that, clubs finishing in second and third place in the League's Cup will qualify for the CCL opening round. So that is pretty cool. A tournament that going forward is going to be a very important thing for a lot of MLS and Liga Mekis clubs. Prize money to be made. CONCACAF Champions League uh, titles to win. European Club World Championships to be won. All kinds of cool things. And 
We got a dress rehearsal for it. And that dress rehearsal, very much successful. Yeah, look, if you're not going to take anything away from the League's Cup and what it means other than one thing, take away the fact that there are three Champions League spots up for grabs beginning next year, because obviously that is the biggest carrot at the end of this stick. And and again, you guys, if you weren't there, if you weren't part of the 71,189, it, it was such a great atmosphere. Yeah. It was incredible. Philly and I were having so much fun just taking it all in, being a part of it. But what made it even better and what we're going to get into right now, the match ended 0-0. I am not a guy who likes sitting through a 0-0 match. I am not a guy who enjoys the one nothings and the nothing-nothing coming down to the last minute. That's not me. I'd rather win or lose a game 4-2 than watch a nil-nil game going into stoppage time. Except this one was fantastic. It was so well played by both sides. Such good energy, such high level. Uh, let's get in really quick, Philly, to the lineups. I know uh, there were 19, I believe, LAFC players that featured in this one. But let me get in the starting lineup real quick for Club America. Coming out in a 4-4-2 uh, under manager Fernando Ortiz. Their goalkeeper was not, I repeat, not Memo Ochoa. It was one Oscar Jimenez. The guy the next to was a Club America fan kept thinking it was. He was like, Memo. I'm like, no, he's not playing. He just didn't <laughs> seem to get it. And I know the kids spoke English. He was just drunk beyond belief. Every yeah. time there was a save made, he'd yell memo. I'm like, no, he's on the bench. Anyway. <laughs> Still not memo. Uh, yeah, Oscar Jimenez was the keeper for Club America. Four defenders in the back. Emilio, Lara, Bruno, Valdez, Sebastian, Caceres. And something that just takes me a minute to get used to, guys. Number 206, Mauricio Reyes. Those are your defenders. On the midfield, legend Miguel Layun, Richard Sanchez, the former Carsonite Jonah Dos Santos, and number 202, Iker Moreno, and your forwards Federico Vinas and Roger Martinez, who also wore a triple-digit number on his back, number 200. Those were the starters. couple of guys that we should talk about real quick on the bench. You mentioned him, Memo Ochoa. Oh, Memo Ochoa. I had no real inkling towards Memo Ochoa before the last time we played Club America. Now I can say he's right up there to me with Luis Suarez as just players I can't stand and don't ever want to see. So Memo Ochoa on the bench. Jurgen Dom, who was once with Atlanta United and has, has played all over the place. Henry Martin, who is one of Club America's better players, was on the bench. And then Philly, their final player on the bench that I'll mention, was a target of ours for quite some time, Jonathan Rodriguez of Club America. And uh, Rodriguez and Henry Martin would eventually come on to the match, but not Memo and not Jurgen Dom. No. Uh, Jonathan Rodriguez from Cruz Azul happened to score in the MLS All-Star Game in Los Angeles last year, was a hot target potentially for our designated player spot, but he shunned the City of Angels for the country of or the kingdom of, should I say, yeah. Saudi Arabia. That's right. He goes from Mexico instead of L.A. to Saudi Arabia. And I, I, I applaud the guy. You want to go for money. That's cool. But um, I don't think I would go to Saudi Arabia over, well, Los Angeles. Let's just put it that way. Anyways, that's my thoughts there. Memo Ochoa, for those of you wondering why Scarf doesn't like him, we'd have to harken back to the CONCACAF Champions League semifinals of 2020, uh, in which one Memo Ochoa antagonized one fallen at the time, Edward Atuesta, 
Matuesta obviously had some words with him, made a little bit of contact with Ochoa, and automatically got himself a red card. So what should have been an unbelievable night for LAFC, beating Club America 3-1, put a very big hole in our midfield as we squared off against Tigres in the CONCACAF Champions League final. And one could argue that Memo Ochoa and Edward Atuesta's hot head are the guilty parties for why we did not continue to go on forward in the club in the club cup. But that's neither here nor there. Now let's get into the LAFC lineup. I'm going to do things a little backwards, Scarf. We got Tomas Romero, Franco Escobar, <laughs> David Murillo, Ilya Sanchez, Carlos Vela, <laughs> Gareth Bale, Chiki Palacios, Giorgio Chiellini, Jose Cifuentes, Christian Torres, Cal Jennings, and Tony Leone. Was that our starting lineup? It could very well be. Well, it couldn't be because there's too many players on there. But <laughs> that right there is a starting lineup that would destroy most teams in Major League Soccer. That was our bench. Yes, that's right. Our bench, Maxime Crepeau, had the night off. So Thomas Romero found his way into the lineup, albeit as a backup. Now, as far as the starters are concerned, I am going to save the best for last. And you will understand what I mean by that in just a second. Starting up top. In the front line, we got Brian Rodriguez, we got Chicho Arango, and we got the machine, Mahala, rounding up the three there. We had Seba Mendez making his first start, Kellen Acosta, Latif Blessing, our back line consisting of Ryan Hollingshead. Uh, let the announcer on the public address side of the oh. stadium know it's not Hollingshead, just saying. Mamadou Fall back into the lineup. He played a stellar game, wearing the captain's armband featuring the name Vin on it. Eddie Segura, Sebastian Ibiaga, and Manuel Neuer in between the pipes? No. Big back. Jay Mack himself. John McCarthy, who played, oh my God, Scarf. He played one of the most exceptional games of any LAFC keeper I have ever, ever seen. Big Jay Mack got the start today, and I would love to see more of this kid. After today's, after yesterday's game, I got no doubts in my mind that this kid could literally start for any team in Major League Soccer. It just so happens that he plays behind one of the best keepers in Major League Soccer, and that of Maxime Crepeau. But what a game he had. That's your LAFC lineup. Yeah, a very pleasant surprise. I mean, look, we never know what we have in our backup keeper until they get some real minutes. And these were real minutes. Trial by fire here for J-Mac Daddy, John McCarthy, an incredible game. For McCarthy, we'll talk more about why it was so great as we move through this match. But what we're going to do, normally we go minute by minute. But what we wanted to do in our recap of the Club America exhibition here in the League's Cup, the League's Cup showcase, as they are calling it, we want to hit some of the bigger moments and really point out some big things that we saw during the first and second half. First of which, by the way, and you mentioned it in the starting lineup, but how great was it to see number five, Mamadou, fall back out there on the back line. Yes, there were a couple of nervy moments and it wouldn't be a match for the 19-year-old without a nervy moment or two. But that being said, it was great to see Mamadou fall back out there. You just forget how much of a weapon he is in the air, both for your back line and against theirs. <clears throat> really fun watching Mamadou fall. Uh, it, it was the seventh minute or so where there was that kind of nervy ball in the middle, but crisis was averted there by Mamadou Fall. And, and it just kind of reminded us like, all right, kid's still 19. He's got, he's got a ton of potential, but he's got, he's got some learning to do as well. And, and Philly, I thought a couple of the highlights for me in the first half, other than Mamadou Fall, I, I really thought Eddie Segura was everywhere in the first half, doing a lot of things that he needed to do in all of the places that he needed to be. 
Uh, I just I thought Captain Eddie Segura played every bit the captain's role tonight, both on the pitch and in those leadership moments where he had to. So between Mamadou Fall and Eddie Segura there on the back line, that was it was a really fun way to start it all off with with Mamadou getting some run and Eddie being Eddie. Yeah, no, Eddie definitely made some plays. Eddie was connecting with Brian. Uh, there was a real close call uh, with Mamadou Fall in the 16th minute. We had a, when he had a foul, literally like a nose hair outside of the box. He pulled the man down that he was marking as the ball was getting passed to him. Mamadou, even towards the end of the first half, made a couple of mistakes. But man, was he stellar! I mean, right off the bat, scarf. We had both teams kind of going at it at each other's throats. Three minutes in, Club America first attempt goes above the crossbar. Uh, Chicho had a shot. Who uh, him and him and Mahala connected very well in this game. Uh, also, I wanted to add fourth minute. You had you had that going on there. Um, Brian, you were talking about some of his uh, some of his play on the ball. His first touch not being there, but I will tell you this: the kid really hustled, and I thought he played one of his better games. Uh, I mean, he was trying to do his thing. He did get he did dribble into traffic, get the ball taken away from him, but. He certainly displayed some fancy footwork. He had one sequence in which he he dribbled past his defender and threaded the needle of three players to get the ball over to Latif Blessing. But Latif ended up striking more grass than he did leather. But I would say Brian was also somebody that I was th- fairly impressed with, considering he's sort of been out of it for a, well, for a month and change now. Yeah, his first touch eluded him for most of the first half and parts of the second. But what we saw from him that he can do well is indeed that ability to split the defense, to take on multiple defenders. And his passing was fantastic. You mentioned the pass to Latif blessing that he fanned on. There was also a pass to Mahala Opoku earlier in the first half that I thought that this is where we saw Brian flourish towards the end of last season, where he started racking up assist after assist after assist. That wasn't to say that club America did not have their chances. I mean, Uh, there were a couple of passes into the box, Eddie Segura having to play some one V one defending in the 22nd minute where it deflects off of him instead of heading over to J Mac daddy. Uh, I thought that it's uh, the 24th minute is what you were talking about with Latif where Brian set him up perfectly. I I did check sports center for the not top 10. And that one luckily did not make it for Latif. That was a rough one there as he, as he whiffed in the box. But the, I think the biggest moment of the first half Philly was the 40th or so minute. I didn't go back and look if it was the 40th or the 41st. It was. It was the 40th. 40th minute. We thought that we would be playing a man down for most of the the rest of the match anyway. As Mamadou Fall went, I guess what the ref thought was studs up. Uh, straight red, yellow card. But I guess, Philly, for any of the people that had questions about what the VAR rules would be in the League's Cup, there will be VAR because this was being played under League's Cup rules and VAR saving LAFC from going down a man. It was overturned to just a yellow, but man, it was one of those moments. And and Mamadou must have known it right away, right? Because he was arguing while he was on the ground. The ref did not hesitate one bit. But I think from what I understand from everybody that was watching it at home, it was a little better acting job by Club America. Uh, no doubt. And we we got lucky. I mean, I I don't know if the ref would have had it out for Mamadou had he not had that that pulled down foul in the 16th minute, but we certainly avoided a a chaotic moment right there. I will say, I love how fearless he is when he had some of these bigger, uh, I can't say bigger, but some of these more experienced Club America players kind of jawing at him and pushing him. He didn't back down. He was right back in the fold, pushing and fighting. So, you know, that takes a lot of, I say this term a lot, it seems, 
Uh, intestinal fortitude. I absolutely <laughs> love that. Uh, I mean, kids fearless. He does his thing. Uh, but yeah, man, we certainly avoided crisis right there. I mean, a couple opportunities um, from each side. I would say LAFC's best opportunity probably did occur in the 19th minute when they were on the counter. Mamadou Fall starts things off. Passes the ball to Chicho. Chicho lets it go through. We got a sprinting Mahala. Mahala doing his thing, trying to like get in between defenders. But like those crash test dummies of the old commercials, <laughs> that ball, he hits, he hits a wall. Great attempt, but a better save by Jimenez. And your first half is over. Two additional minutes of stoppage. Nothing going on there. But uh, we got six shots uh, to LAFC's four. Uh, on target, LAFC had three to Club America's one. Possession relatively even, but a statistical category in which LAFC would win, uh, the only statistical category they would win at the end of the game is one they won at the end of the first half. Fouls, six to four. Yeah, LAFC definitely a little more aggressive, although I wouldn't consider both teams as being overly aggressive as we watched the match. It was a very clean, a very physical, eh, not very physical, but it was a physical yet clean game. Uh, especially solid in the first half. In the second half, we get to bring on Ilya Sanchez, Carlos Vela, and the immortal Cal Jennings comes off the bench as well for LAFC for Kellen Acosta, Brian Rodriguez, and Mahala. And, and I think, Philly, the most exciting moments of the second half, other than what would happen in after the, the uh, final whistle blew, in the 48th minute, J-Mac Daddy just comes up with an incredible kick save and a beauty i mean he was 1v1 with roger martinez who is one of the better strikers in liga mx and and the save by mac daddy was incredible on a kick save i wrote kick save and a beauty in my notes and then about 30 seconds later lafc tweets out kick save and a beauty it's the uh the old king's announcers call there that was that was cool to see uh i just i thought and again we'll talk we're gonna talk a little bit more about john mccarthy after the match uh, Vela gets his, his first touch is a long ball through the middle uh, for Chicho, and Chicho was called for bodying up his defender, unfortunately. And in the 51st minute, what Mamadou almost gaveth, Mamadou taketh away. He was amazing in the 51st minute. If Mamadou Fall is not on the line, the cross went over everyone to a waiting Club America player with a rocket from the left, the opposite post. That would be the weak side in basketball, the right post if your mama do fall. If he's not there, Philly, it is one nothing Club America after just six minutes in the second half. Yeah, Emilio Lara of Club America had that, um, had that shot, uh, took a great pass from Miguel Layun. And yeah, I, that, was, that was a game changer for us. The ball clearly got by McCarthy, but Mama Dufal manages to nick it outside. And thankfully, that's the case. Uh, 55th minute, John McCarthy makes another tremendous save on Martinez, and he kept doing that time and time again. You see the number 200 blasting one towards towards net, and then you have one big J-Mac taking care of business. Really nice kid. I finally had an opportunity to stand next to him at the Angel City game. Certainly a lot taller than I would have anticipated. You got a man who they call Philly standing right next to a man from Philly. It was a very dynamic moment. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Carlos Vela. Really quickly at the half, we had Ilya Sanchez, Cal Jennings, and oh wait, you did say that. Never mind. I, I, I stand corrected. The reason why we're starting to have all these subs, 63rd minute, we had Jose Cifuentes, Gareth Bale, Cheeky Escobar, Murillo come in. For this game in particular, each team had the ability to utilize up to 10 subs. So thankfully that was the case. We don't want to tire too many players out because 
We're going to Sandy, Utah, playing in higher elevation against Real Salt Lake in just about 48 hours. But the crowd went nuts. All, all supporters from all the four teams, Club America, Chivas, Galaxy, and of course, LAFC went bonkers when they saw Gareth Bale. And that was pretty darn cool, Scarf. Oh, man, the, the whole place lit up. I mean, even during warmups, when they would show Gareth Bale on there, there weren't boos. There were just cheers and kind of oohs and ahs, it, although during the match. They booed Gareth Bale plenty because, you know, jealousy is a thing. Uh, but Bale came on for Chicho. And one of the things I do want to mention this time when Bale came on for Chicho is a very different Chicho Arango coming off the pitch than the last time. Chicho was none too pleased last match. He was perfectly fine with this one. Uh, Latif, Ryan Hollingsheed, according to the announcer, uh, Mendez and Eddie Segura would come off. So uh, the uh, the captain's armband would go to one Carlos Val. I think actually Carlos... No, Eddie had it the entire time and then gave it to Carlos after he subbed Correct. off. And that Philly, after the 62nd or 63rd minute when they made all those subs, we kind of went into a 5-2-3, our back line, Cheeky Palacios, and then three center backs, Mamadou Fall, Murillo, Ibeaga, and Escobar on the back line. So a very interesting five-man back line. Jonathan Rodriguez would come on just a couple minutes later. So in case LAFC needed somebody to boo, they could. And Philly, we had an Olympico attempt in the 68th minute off the post on a corner, and it was Jay McDaddy almost caught unawares, but he had the post covered the entire time right at the last second, which was great. Uh, you know, it's it, it, a lot of teams. A lot of teams would would kind of throw the towel, throw in the towel after about the 20, 20 minutes to go mark, and that was about the 70th minute. Not these two teams, man. This was. This game just got better and better as it went on. It got a little sloppy kind of towards the end, but that was by both sides. But Philly, I thought that Ilya Sanchez, again, doing Ilya Sanchez things as he comes into the match for the last half hour or so, uh, we saw another good run by Mamadou Fall. And, and honestly, it was just a nervy, tight second half and not much after everybody subbed in. You would think with Gareth Bale coming on and a lot of those other weapons, we might be able to find something, but really, Philly, not much to speak of by either side, even through stoppage. No, not much at all, really. I mean, plenty of shots that were blocked by defenders. I think uh, for Club Americas and Dejas had the last like big quality shot. For them, he had a shot that went just outside of the box. Um, 78th minute, we had a scenario in which uh, Franco Escobar appeared to have gotten a clean tackle. Then he got charged with a hello yellow. That was a really bad call. Uh, everybody's still getting aggressive at that point. Thankfully, nothing turned about. Obviously, losing a man with 10 or so minutes to go in the ruckus environment that we were in would have been awful. But clean tackle, bad call on the refs. And no stoppage time, really. I think it was just, what, three minutes or so? Two, three yeah, minutes. and literally nothing happened in stoppage time. Oh, no, nothing. Nothing to report at all. I mean, we went straight into PKs. Uh, this game in particular, the other rule that we had mentioned. So we had the ability to utilize VAR. We had the ability to utilize up to 10 subs. And in the event of a tie, straight to PK. So no extra time, which wasn't a bad thing because this game got a late start, man. I mean, yeah, we got home at midnight. Panda and I ran out of there because she had to be up at four this morning. So there was no waiting for us. I mean, I sprinted through the parking lot in my suit. I think I had some guy see me and see my hair and go, hey, Ricky Martin, Ricky Martin. 
Uh, not very nice in today's day and age to be called Ricky Martin. I'll tell you that right Wait, now. Wait, you were mistaken for Ricky Martin? Well, obviously it was the frosted tips in the hair, but you know that. Oh boy. That you know, one, once once upon a time ago, I would consider that a compliment. Now, like that, just makes me you know, and until proven otherwise, uh, incestual, and I don't really like that. Uh, um, you're not you're not into superstition or black cats and voodoo dolls, are you? <laughs> I mean, I've been known to live la vida loca from time to time, but. <laughs> Look, uh, PKs were incredible. Um, If you haven't had a chance to watch them uh, online, please go check them out. There were seven, seven uh, 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 rounds of penalty kicks. It was uh, a really fun environment, but just like against Houston Dynamo in the Open Cup, and I believe there might have been seven, if not eight rounds in that, LAFC falls once again. But look, First round of PKs, we step up and our very first PK for us gets saved. <laughs> that was not the way that we wanted to start it out with Jimenez in goal. Cheeky Palacios gets his save to the keeper's right. But then Philly, just two rounds later, I look, we both agree on our man of the match, I think, right? It has to be big John McCarthy. No question. What an incredible save uh, to his left. He makes the save in round three. And what I loved is, when the Club America keeper came over to kind of talk smack, John got right up and into his face, too. There was no backing down from John McCarthy in this. No, it's that Philadelphia filth grit, baby. You never want to talk trash to a man from the city of brotherly love because it doesn't matter where you are. He's going to get right back in your face and cause chaos. Yeah, he was the man of the match. I mean, he there every player on Club America, with the exception of Zendejas, uh, scored. But Jay Mack, despite only having the one save, certainly guessed right on a number of those shots. Yeah. He even got his hand on several of those shots, which would obviously change the trajectory of this PK. Uh, one highlight I did want to point out is when Cal Jennings stepped up to take his 12-yarder. Yeah, you uh, love this. Brad was jeering, but I absolutely loved the, the, the coyness, the smile on his face. Like he, It's like he was living for the moment. At that point, I, I felt comfortable and confident that, you know what, Cal is going to score. And in fact, he did. He didn't seem rattled by the moment whatsoever. And that's something I certainly appreciated throughout the course of these penalty kicks. Yeah, our five to take it. We mentioned Cheeky got his save. Carlos Vela booed loudly, but put it right into the back of the net. Cal Jennings, Ilya, get got the keeper to guess wrong. And he had the whole wide open goal to the opposite side. And Gareth Bale finishes it off for those five rounds. Again, you mentioned it, man, John McCarthy guessed right so many times. Let's go to extras and a little too much movement. I thought on the line by J Mac daddy on round six, he was a little too fired up. He guessed right, but the ball went underneath him. And then Franco Escobar. And it was loud because club America knew if their keeper could get a save in round six, it would be over. Franco Escobar said, uh, 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 going top shelf to put it away. So round seven, Philly, you mentioned it. J-Mac Daddy got both gloves on this ball. Both gloves on this ball glance off and up and over to his right into the back of the net. And look, Philly, I'm going to say this. I know that the Rams let go of one Johnny Hecker this last season. I know that they're still looking to replace Greg the Leg Zerline for someone who is, is consistent on the football field, kicking 30, 40, 50 yarders. I'm thinking Sifu is smarter than the rest of us. He knew there's no better place to audition for the place kicker or punter for the Rams 
than at SoFi Stadium, the home of the Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. Unfortunately, that kick mattered in terms of going on for PKs. He absolutely skied that kick. Yep, practically found its way into the SoFi Lake, which apparently you find dead bodies in there now, too. Uh, it's 13 feet deep, man. Why do you build that thing 13 feet deep? I don't want to hear that it's a reservoir for all the recycled water that they use in the stadium. All you did was build yourselves a liability 13 feet deep. I mean, I'm surprised that, you know, if it's we're talking recycled waters, I'm surprised that they managed to get recycled waters that are 13 feet deep in this town. It oh. never rains. But, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jay. J-Mac played such a great game, Philly. I know we're, look, no one was upset at Sifu, right? It was no, a, it was no. an exhibition. So. Yeah, exactly. It was an exciting game. It really goes to show you how far we've come as a league in that of Major League Soccer. I mean, the Galaxy embarrassed Chivas. Uh, no disrespect, obviously, to the, the millions. And millions. Of defenders of the bank listeners who do support Chivas. But, man, I mean, MLS really come a long way. For them to fill a stadium the, the, the magnitude and the size of SoFi, again, there were about a thousand more people at yesterday's games than there were at the Super Bowl, arguably the world's biggest sporting event next to the World Cup. There were more people at this exhibition. That was a pretty cool thing. And this exhibition doesn't end, by the way. On September the 21st, it's going to find its way into the Midwest because um, we're going to have FC Cincinnati and Nashville participate, and Chivas and Club America are going to continue to play on in this. But, man, it was an exciting, exciting set of games. Uh, we got to see some players that we normally wouldn't get an opportunity to see more often, and I, I hope we get to see more of John McCarthy. I love Maxime Cripeau, but, I mean, it was so exciting seeing J-Mac make all the saves that he did. I mean, it was kind of like how Charlie Lyon did his thing against Borussia Dortmund in that friendly that we had back in 2018. I mean, Charlie Lyon looked like a rock star there. Right. And we had in this friendly one, John McCarthy looking at like a rock star against Club America. Yeah, look, it's it's definitely fun, but I'm sorry. I'm going to ride the Crapo train throughout the end of the season. I know you oh, are yeah, too. No doubt. We, we just want to see him do well. Uh, I, I thought a couple of different things. Only three players going the full 90, John McCarthy being one of them, Sebastian Abiaga and Mamadou Fall. I, I thought Mamadou played really solidly. Uh, 19 different players, I mentioned it before, saw action for LAFC, although the two that I was really looking forward to seeing did not. And no, I'm not talking about Tomas Romero, the national champion from Georgetown, or one Giorgio Chiellini. I really wanted to see Christian Torres and Tony Leone play. Those were the four players that I just mentioned that did not play out of all of Philly's starting 12 or 13 that he mentioned first before the starting 11. And only about a half hour for Franco Escobar, Chiqui Palacios, Jesus David Murillo, and Jose Cifuentes, a brilliant use of substitutions by one Steve Chirundolo. Uh, Philly, it was a lot of fun, man. We had a blast at SoFi Stadium. Let's look ahead real quick to what's going on in August, because you and I have a busy August, my friend. We have six league games in August, four on the road, though, and just two at Bank of California Stadium. We head out to now what is becoming the Danny Musovsky Bowl. Unbelievable. <laughs> Saturday, August 6th against Real Salt Lake. So in just two days, Billy, we take on RSL in RSL. I, I, I'm going to cheer for Danny Musovsky. I don't care who knows it. I, I'm, I love this kid, the former, I believe, Las Vegas villain. That was the name of one of the teams that he played on there in Vegas. Moose, uh, it'll be good to see you, bud. And, uh, I mean, we should have just let him ride the team bus with us or team plane with us to go catch up with his mates in RSL. Back-to-back -back home matches, Philly. 
August 13th. Anything else going on August 13th? I don't know. Against Christian Fuchs and Charlotte. That is Philly's birthday, everybody. Yep, that it is. Going to be a thing. Yeah, it, it will be a thing. Please don't offer me that many shots. Why not? I had a little too much fun last night, and I kind of paid for it today. I would like to enjoy and somewhat remember my birthday. Nope. I, um, I turned the age <laughs> that is, uh, let's put it this way. I'm not going to tell you my age, but it's going to be a very easy hint. And the question is going to be, what jersey number in Major League Baseball is retired by every single team? Once you figure out what that number is, you'll know what age Philly is going to be August 13th. And that is enough about that. But you don't look a day over 40, Philly. So there you uh, go. That, it, must, uh, it must be the newly dyed hair. Which there I you go. Uh, have some. Saturday, August 13th. That is Charlotte. And Charlotte, not bad, by the way, because Charlotte just put it on DC United. Our opponent right after we play Charlotte, the fighting Wayne Rooney's of DC Tuesday, August 16th, and then three straight road matches, San Jose, August 20th, Austin, in what should be a very fun match, August 26th at Austin. And then we're traveling to Houston, Philly, August 31st. And oh, by the way, August 10th. That would be the MLS All-Star game. Yay. Or is that that is the 10th, right? It's not the 9th, it's the 10th. No, it's the 10th. It's, it's the 10th. So, so we got a couple of guys that are up to no good. We'll be making some trouble in Minnesota. That'll be fun. We've got several All-Stars. I, I think I still think Jose C. Fuentes should be there, but that's fine. Uh, they they did name Brandon Vasquez to the All-Star team in place of of uh, the former Tati Castellanos of Major League Soccer, now Tati Yay. Castellanos. <laughs> yeah, and uh I, I think uh, I think we can all agree, Philly, in August, we'll need a little bit of lineup rotation to get through these six games. We're going to see some bodies that we might not see start regularly throughout the playoff time or throughout much of September. But I, I said it on 110 football. I think that we need to run the table with our five remaining home matches, beginning, of course, with these two, one on Philly's birthday on August 13th against Charlotte, and then Tuesday, August 16th against D.C. We need to defend the bank, Philly. We need 15 points from the final... 15 possible at bank California stadium confident in the sense that we can do that. I mean, we have the team to do it. We're going to, we obviously have the depth to do it. Our bench can certainly do this for us. So there's no reason to think that we couldn't do this at home. And we've been relatively successful on the road as well, which is exactly what you need in order to obtain a supporter shield is points on the road. And we've done a stellar job at that scarf. We are 48 hours away from yet another match in between LFC and really Salty Lake. Um, I say we wrap this friendly up. What do you say? Let's wrap it up friendly like we always do. And again, thank you guys for listening. This has been episode 206 of Defenders of the Bank. And like Philly said, just 48 hours for 207. And you know how we like to end all of our episodes. Bye-bye.